You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need batteries for your truck, or your trail camera, or anything in between, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go in and check out one of their thousands of retail locations all over the United States, or you can go to their website, interstatebatteries.com, and find out more information about the batteries they offer and the company itself. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and just like the title implies, we cover all things hunting gear and equipment, from discussions with the top manufacturers to product reviews from past hunting experiences. Our goal is to provide you with reliable and unbiased product information in hopes of educating you on new products and assisting in future purchases. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast starts right now. All right, this is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and you are listening to it right now. Mr. Bob Polanik is my co-host, and I'm Dan Johns. This is the worst interview, or the intro ever, by the way, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. Uh, Bob Polanik, co-host, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, fighting a little bit of a, uh, a cold and just watching the snowfall. Michigan, you, uh, yeah. you getting hammered up there or something? uh we probably just got an inch coming today but we got i think we got four or five inches um saturday night yeah. so woke up woke up sunday morning to a fresh blanket of snow gotcha gotcha so do yep. so, you ever get lake effect snow up there in michigan on your part of the state all the time all nonstop. The time. okay so yep. you guys just get hammered all all winter long yeah solid 100 to 120 inches uh Per winter. Oh, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Okay, and it sounds like you've been on the river doing some steelhead fishing recently. I did, yes, yeah. Yesterday I did. I went with a buddy, just quick met up after work for a couple hours and uh, fished till dark. And, yeah, we caught. he caught one and we lost a couple others. So, so steelhead, is that a catch-and-release fish? Can you keep them ever? 
You know, a lot of a lot of fishermen do practice catch and release with steelhead, but they are they're perfectly legal to keep year round. I think you keep three a day. Oh, really? So are they yep. good? Are they good to eat? Yeah, right now they're they're good. They don't so like salmon those those fish will migrate up a river and they spawn and die. So if you're going to keep a salmon out of the river, you're going to want to do it, you know, when it's pretty fresh when it first runs into the river. Yeah. Otherwise, the meat gets pretty nasty. Um, steelhead, they'll migrate up the rivers, they'll spawn, and then they'll return to Lake Michigan. Or if you're on the East Coast, they'll return to, you know, the, the ocean, not right. the East Coast, the West Coast. Um, they'll return to the ocean. Um, but yeah, no, they're good to eat, especially right now. They can, during spawning season, which is spring, they can get a little nasty. Um, and I wouldn't keep them then, but I we always practice catch and release we've got a lot of uh the river i was fishing was like natural reproduction i mean there's a lot of rivers around here that uh get stocked so yeah yeah. so so how do you fish for steelhead uh multiple ways this is this is a hunting gear podcast i know i know but (laughs) i'm curious right now because you've invited me several times like dude you got to get up here and do some steelhead fishing with me um give me the the under five minute synopsis of steelhead fishing. Gotcha. If you're going to go steelhead fishing with me, you're probably going to stay at a cabin and, uh, that's about a mile from multiple access points on the Pier Marquette river, which is probably the, I don't know, it's one of the best rivers in Michigan for steelhead fishing and trout fishing. Yeah. Uh, I've got a drift boat, so we just pick a section that we want to fish, uh, launch the boat. And if we're, probably going to be uh floating floating spawn sacks or beads under a bobber and you're going to be using like a 10 to 13 foot rod with either a uh, uh spinning reel or what a lot of guys use including myself is a center pin um it just gives you a nice drag free drift and basically like i said you're bobber fishing just deep holes or, or deep runs for steelhead or trout uh basically bobber goes down you set the hook and it's it's game on you're uh you're catching them with six or eight pound test um water clarity is usually you know it's usually three to five feet of clarity or or more depending on how recently we got rain um so yeah it's uh you're hooking a six to ten pound fish with six or eight pound test so it's usually a pretty good fight and uh the rivers up around here, they're full of log jams and trees, and they're not super wide. So it uh, usually takes a little bit of luck to land steelhead, and it's uh, it's nothing to break off on a log jam or, or even just on a hot steelhead, or, or they'll just spit the hook on you after a, a minute or two. So, gotcha. um, But, yeah, that's, that's the rundown of it. All right. Biggest steelhead that you yourself have ever caught or witnessed being caught by one of your buddies? Biggest one I ever caught was actually about exactly a year ago. It was on November 30th of last year. It was a 17-pounder. And that's that's above average. That's well above average, yeah. A big, one's, a big one is, uh, I mean, they start getting pretty healthy around 8, 9, 10 pounds. You're pretty excited if you're getting into 11 or 12. So, yeah, 17-pounder was... That was a bit. That was unbelievable. I should have. I should have put them on my wall, but I released them. So yeah, you got some pictures out of it, didn't you? Yeah, it's, I believe it's my profile picture on Facebook. Yeah. Gotcha. So. All right. Yes, sir. 
Now this is the part of the show where we do an absolutely hard transition. (laughs) (laughs) And we start talking about today's topic here on the Hunting Gear Podcast, and that is backpacks. Um, Today I was driving in a car, and I said, hey man, you free at three? You said, yep, let's do it. And he goes, and you said, what's the topic? I said, I don't know. And then you said, backpacks. And I said, yes. And why, why did you want to talk about backpacks? Uh, we just really haven't covered backpacks, I don't know, in depth. And then between elk hunting and whitetail hunting, and then if you're, you know, if you're filming for while you're whitetail hunting, um, I mean, there's just so many different variations of backpacks in the quality and fit. And I've, I've just gone through a lot of different backpacks. So with it being the hunting gear podcast, something that I've got a lot of, uh, experience with. Right. Um, so that's, that's the main reason. All right. So, <laughs> so once you, once we agreed that we were going to talk about backpacks today, I always like to go back and think of the very first thing, uh, or the, whatever the topic is, the very first product that I ever owned. And when I first started bow hunting, I didn't have a backpack. I had a five gallon bucket that I would have my bow in one hand and a five gallon bucket full of my, you know, my release, my rattle bag, my grunt call, my, um, uh, what else did I carry? A bleat and then any extra clothes that I would need. And that is what I, that is what I would used, used. And then I would bring the bucket up the tree or get dressed and stuff all the stuff in my pockets and leave the bucket at the bottom of the tree. So my first backpack wasn't even a backpack. It was a, a bucket that I think had a p- old paint in it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. then after that, it uh, I went to Walmart and got a – I mean, it was like just a regular backpack, no frame, just all material, like cloth, some – some something synthetic and I still have it today that I use when I go on trips. I'll just like stuff extra clothes in my toothbrush and all that's, that's my, uh, my traveling bag now, but it is absolutely horrible. If you told me, Hey Dan, you need to, uh, use this backpack again for this week of hunting. I would say I'd probably, I'm just not going to go hunting. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just, yeah. that's how much, um, the game has changed since then. But, do you remember your first backpack that you ever had when hunting? Yeah, I do. It wasn't until oh, 2012 that I really started using a backpack. It was, like you said, it was kind of just load your pockets up and then carry, I mean, carry your bow. And it's, it was just a simpler time, you know? Right. Um, yeah, the first backpack I used was a, was a Tenzing sling pack. Um, and it was just awful. It was cool at first, and then you just you, it gets more and more stuff in it, and then it just doesn't ride right. It was a sling pack, and it didn't matter how you adjusted it; it would always work its way. Where like the weight of the pack would end up down by your waist, and then like the shoulder strap wasn't anywhere near where it was supposed to be. The shoulder strap would actually we we're supposed to go over your shoulder would end up like across your back, and then like the adjustable strap would actually be on your shoulder, digging into your shoulder. Cause the whole pack just slid, you know? Right. So, yeah. And then when you start yeah. to get some, some weight into these older backpacks, there's no support. And, and like you said, it just, 
the whole bag itself kind of collapses down into one ball at the uh, the waistline and then just throws the whole I guess the comfort of the straps oh there's all this extra weight on your gut you know right at the hip line and then digging into your shoulders um, and that's kind of what got me into looking for you know different backpacks uh, throughout the years um, and I'm trying to think of I, I I had a my first backpack outside after I got rid of that one I bought at Walmart was a Tenzing, and that was like a Tenzing, one of their first backpacks I think that they ever had, and it it, it wasn't very big. It was uh, like a T three hundred or something like that. A T okay. So I don't know. I don't even remember, but I think it was like three hundred. So it wasn't very big. Um, but it's, it had some straps on the back and then those straps allowed me to, uh, strap like basically just my heavy coat to it. And then I could put my rattle bag and my grunt tube and like a bottle of water in there and take it to the stand. Right. And that's really all I needed for, because back then, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, I wasn't running gun hunting yet. I was still hunting out of a, a ladder tree stand and, uh, I think about the time 2006 rolled around when I really started to become mobile, that's when I noticed the importance of a backpack. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um, I kind of know, I, same for me, same, same process. It was, I used that sling pack in 2012, and I think 2013 I started filming hunts and just realized it wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, did you have any quality issues with that Tenzing backpack? Uh, I don't have it anymore. So I don't remember. I think I only had it for a couple years and then I got rid of it and started using something else. And I think I went through like two or three backpacks. Um, I don't remember one, um, one particular brand name. Now you got to remember other than that Tenzing that I bought, um, right. Like er, late, man, I want to say early two thousands. I think it was a, a Tenzing, but back then it was the cheap, cheap, right? I had to focus on yeah. it. the only thing I cared about was whether or not I could afford it back then. And a lot's changed since then. And, you know, uh, we have the ability to, to search and look through a whole bunch of different things, but I didn't know anything about, you know, good quality packs back then. And it, even if I did, I couldn't afford it. So I think this backpack cost me 25 or 30 bucks that old one but right as far as the the tenzing that i have and use now um i think i had one zipper failure but i've had that and when i mean failure i mean at the very bottom of the zippers there's a little plastic piece and it's almost like it helps guide the zippers to line up um and there's like a it's like a piece of fabric with a plastic coating over top of it and that has over time become scrunched up and now it's hard for me to get the zipper started. I probably just need to get a, a pair of needle nose pliers and, and scrunch it flat again. But at when I was on my mule deer hunt this year, I noticed that I couldn't get it zipped up. So I just had to strap the whole thing closed, one of the sides closed. And uh, that was the, the TZ4000 that, okay. uh, that I've used now for mule deer hunt i've used it on a previous elk hunt i have a different pack now for elk but 
and I, I'm sure we'll get into this, so I might as well talk about it. But I have a I have a pack for my elk hunt, and it is a outdoorsman pack, and I bought it. I bought it first the at as the Atlas trainer, so it's it's their it's their uh, pack frame, very comfortable, very light, and I I think it's light. And then there's an adapter that uh, you can put uh, weightlifting plates, slide them right onto that. And that's how I do my training every year for my elk and mule deer hunts is I'll just throw that pack on, put, you know, what, whatever weight I want on. And I just go on a, you know, a two hour hike. And that does a really good job of getting me trained. So then when I actually, it's time to hunt, I can take that, that adapter off and then put on the actual pack that kind of uh, connects into the frame. It's a real slick system where there's these, it's almost like a belt buckle that you slide through, then you turn sideways and it T-hooks in to the the frame. And uh, I have a water carrier that I use like that. It T-hooks right in. Outdoorsman is the name of the company. Really slick, really love, uh, love that pack. And uh, then I use the Muley Day Pack. And the cool thing about the Muley Day Pack is, is it allows you to not only hook into the frame, but it, that can come off and you can wear it as a standalone uh, backpack as well, which is really cool. Uh, so there's shoulder straps and another weight belt attached to that portion of the pack. So you can use it multiple different ways. Okay. Um, but... I'm not using that pack. I'd probably have to upgrade to the the bigger pack uh, that attaches to that frame if I wanted to do like a, a backcountry hunt where I'm bringing a tent and a sleeping bag in. And the reason that I don't is because I'm hunting out of a cabin on my elk hunts and I don't need to bring you know, uh, I'm not bringing a sleeping bag and a tent and, you know, all my food right. with me. That just goes right from the truck into the cabin. Yep. So the only thing I'm carrying on my elk hunt in there is a rain jacket, uh, an insulation layer, an extra pair of socks, my food for the day, uh, and water and an elk bugle. And that's okay. That's really and a fir- like a first aid kit. And other than that, that's all I'm I'm putting in that small little muley pack. And so I would have to either upgrade or use a different frame or a different pack altogether if I was going to, uh, you know, do it like a, a backcountry hunt, which on my mule deer hunt, I switched it up and I went back to my TZ 4000. And we'll talk about that in a second. So what is your pack of choice and kind of explain uh, your scenario when you go on your elk hunts? Uh, for elk hunting, well, real quick on yours. So when you're elk hunting with that backpack and you've got the muley pack on it, um, if you get an elk down and you've got to get meat quarters, uh, off the mountain back to your cabin or car or whatever, um, is there a way that you can like get that meat in between like the frame and the muley pack or do you got to strap it to like the outside of the pack? Yeah. So what happens is the muley pack comes out. And there is, they also sell a meat sling. Yep. And the meat sling is what I have 
it doubles as a water carrier. So I'm carrying two bladders, okay. uh, one in the official water carrier, and then one in the meat sling portion. And then, so I'm, I, I take a lot of water. I take, I take like five liters of water with me every day uh, on my elk hunts. Uh, but from the packs, the, then they have the, uh, um, I'm pulling up their website right there and it's outdoorsmans.com. So packs, let's just go pack accessories, see what that's got. Okay. So they have the meat sling. Um, and it's just a, it's basically just a whole bunch of straps that meet a bigger piece of fabric and they can loosen out all the way. And then you would put your, your meat or your quarter in between the frame and the meat sling. And then you would just cinch it down real tight. And then you can put the muley pack over top of that yet. And that way you're, you can take everything back with you. And then once you get back to camp, if you need to make another trip, you would take the muley pack off and then just keep the meat sling on. Okay. I got you. Um, main reason I asked that is because I think for anyone that's going to do any elk hunting, you need to think about how you're going to get your meat off the mountain if yes. you're in that type of scenario some people i think can get you know an atv pretty close to wherever they're elk hunting um i don't know a lot of public land that i hunt there's no atvs um and it's just i mean typically you're going to be deep in the mountains if yeah. you get an elk down yeah. um so yeah the two packs that i have used for elk hunting one is the tenzing 6000 uh i use that for I don't know, three or four years. And then, uh, just last year I switched over to a, a mystery ranch Metcalf. Um, both of them have a, a meat shelf, um, or meat sling, however you want to put it. They're, they're different. So the Tenzing had the frame and then it had, it had the, the main compartment of like the backpack. And it's a, it's a 60 liter backpack, I believe. Um, but then you could, the, the bag zipped on to the frame. It was really weird. So then you would unzip it and there was a webbing that kept, that kept everything attached, but you're pretty limited to the size of the quarter that you can put in your, in your backpack. So you kind of have to manipulate your quarters. And, um, for us, it was the first time, you know, when I was using that Tenzing 6000, I killed my first elk and my buddy and I are quartering it out. And when I go to, you know, shove a, a hind quarter in there and it won't fit and we had to take it back out and debone it yeah. and get it so we could, you know, make, move the meat around. So it actually slide into the, the meat compartment. So that was a pretty big drawback. Um, a lot of zippers failed on that multiple times. I know I, cause their customer service is great. Uh, I sent the backpack in and they basically just sent me a new one. And within three days, uh, one of the zippers on that broke again. And I pretty much said, I'm done with, with Tenzing. Yeah. So my zipper um, failure wasn't a, the zipper itself. It was just the piece that aligned to get it to line up to zip. Once I, once I got it started, I didn't have any problems with it, but that little piece is just really annoying, especially when you're kind of in a hurry or whatever. Um, so depend, like sometimes I have it zipped up. Sometimes I just 
uh, strap it with the horizontal straps that go around it. But I know what you what you're talking about with the uh, the Tenzing pack, the packs uh, or any any pack where the zipper uh, come or the pack itself comes from the frame, and then it has a basically that webbing holds it together. So you're only you're limited to how far that webbing stretches uh, as opposed to how much meat you can get in there. And we had to do the same thing um, with our, uh, we decided to take the bone off the hindquarters when we were uh, mule deer hunting this year because of that, you know, of that same reason, just the, the, you couldn't fit that much meat into the, uh, into the pack. You had to take it all out so you could make, yeah. you could make, or we were going to have to, take multiple trips and we decided right. to make one big trip. Right. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, the, th- the thing to remember with that tenzing is there's only one entry point to put the meat in. Yeah. It's not like the bottom's open or the sides are open and the, and, the, and the tops are attached. It's, it's attached on the sides and the bottom that webbing goes all the way around and you can only insert it from the top. So yeah, yeah it was, a, it was a little limiting. The, the cool thing, the positive we found out from, from that process is when we, pulled that quarter back out of the game bag and we went to go debone it it had been it had been off the the body of the elk for probably two or three hours and when we went to go debone it those bones were still they felt like they were 85 degrees still yeah i mean those bones hold so much heat i mean meat in general yeah so it was it was a it was kind of an eye-opener like hey if you debone your meat, you start the cooling process faster. On top of that, what we found out is that with all the bones out, we probably lighten the load by, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds total, you know? So, so yeah, we, we just, we always debone our, uh, our elk nowadays. And it was, it's all, it's all because of learning from that experience. But, um, the, the mystery ranch, um, that just has that bag will separate from the frame and it's only attached at the bottom. Um, it's just one piece of fabric that, it, that holds the bag, um, onto the frame. And so you basically can just sandwich, you can get as big of a quarter, uh, on there as you want. And then you can just sandwich it all back together. Uh, keeps that weight, the weight, um, you know, right close to your back and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, it also, I think the Tenzing only has, or not the Tenzing, the uh, the Mystery Ranch backpack that the Metcalf that's only ha- has one zipper on it, and uh, it's a pretty heavy duty zipper, and it just it it, it, it eliminates a lot of uh, possibilities for zipper failure if you only have one zipper. Yeah. So. And I'll tell you, uh, for my elk hunt, uh, one of the reasons I really like these Outdoorsman packs, uh, one is I th- I think they're made in America. I think they're a U.S. company. I'm not 100% sure. I'm, I may need to fact that, check that. I don't see like a Made in America uh, logo. I think I have a Made in America logo on my on my pack that I have. So that one was. I don't see anything on their website about being Made in America, but it looks like it looks like their packs are are U.S. made, which is kind of cool. The second is, depending on what kind of hunt you're doing, you can adjust different packs to go on the frame 
through that system of connection that they have. So if I was to do a DIY elk hunt, I would probably upgrade to the, they have something called a long range pack, which is just a bigger pack that goes on your, uh, on the same frame. And, uh, if I was going to do a, a DIY, uh, elk hunt where I have to take a tent and a sleeping bag and all that stuff. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at that website right now. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, so with that, the, the Tenzing didn't, did not like collapse down into a day pack. Cause all my style of hunting is, is like a five day hunt, you know, with, with camp on your back. So when you get everything out of your backpack and it doesn't collapse down, that's now your day pack, but it's still this big bulky thing. The, uh, the pro of the, the Metcalf from mystery ranch is that it does the way the straps and everything work on it and are lined up. It cinches right down and it gets really small. Yeah. So, and it can ride nice and high and tight to your back and, and you can be, uh, you can have a slimmer profile, um, moving through the, the timber and stuff like that. So yeah. that, that's, that's the other thing with the Tenzing. It didn't, didn't matter how I adjusted it. It's just, I could not get it to ride right. It always would always sag down low and, my body would always say it looks like I was carrying around like a, a turtle shell, basically, because <laughs> the way it would just sag down so far. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So let's ask kind of an opinionated question now. I guess we've been given our opinions on, on the packs we've been used, but what uh, what do you look for in an elk pack? Uh, first thing, it's just got to have a meat shelf like we were kind of talking yeah. about. Um, I've now gone to just, well, weight is another thing. Um and then I don't really do worry too much about like internal frame versus external frame or anything like that. But I have found that I do prefer like that, that, that more like internal frame type of deal, not the big bulky ones with, yeah, I feel like the big bulky ones are probably a little better, are better for just hauling meat only. And I know a lot of guys do that. They just have a strictly like a frame basically. And they just only like strap meat to it. Um, that they use for elk hunting when they're going into like a, a normal camp that you can drive into and stuff. Yeah. Um, other than that, just, just quality. I've, I've definitely, uh, steered more towards simplicity over all the compartments and stuff like that. Um, I've just found that with my style of hunting, I could just have several lightweight bags to kind of divvy up gear. And, uh, I don't really, I don't really haul a lot in my backpack when I'm, when I'm elk hunting every day, just, it, I mean, you're hiking anywhere from say six to 10 miles a day or more, the more weight you have in there for unnecessary stuff, just, just the worst, uh, the worst off you are. Yeah. So, so I'm on the, I'm on the Tenzing website right now and it looks like they've gotten rid of a lot of their products. I saw that today as well. I think that maybe some customer feedback has finally gotten to them. Um, but yeah, it looks like all the packs are redesigned. Yeah, and, I, and I'm looking at for I just clicked on the backcountry packs. They no longer have a TZ four thousand. They no longer have the six thousand. I, I think at one time they had the seven thousand too. So the only thing they have is the TZ three thousand. Really? And that's it doesn't, it doesn't even look like it has a frame on it. Uh, I bet I bet you it's probably if there's in a frame, it's probably internal. But um, let me check here. But anyway. It looks like everything that I've personally talked about and you've talked about is obsolete now. Gotcha. 
Huh, that's interesting. But uh, so for me, in an elk hunt, I guess I'm not too terribly concerned about the weight. I'm not like I'm not an ounces guy. You know, like uh, you know, a couple pounds on your feet all day long uh, may make a difference. But uh, I guess that's why I train the way I train and uh, try to get my legs as strong as I can, so I can you know carry that weight around. So for me. I would say I would rather have one of my highest, you know, obviously you got to have the ability to carry meat back, but I would rather have the comfort of the wear as opposed to the weight. And then the next thing that I really look for is how the backpack carries heavy weight because I love, um, I, I really do like that outdoorsman pack, but when I put over a hundred pounds on it to do my training, I feel like the buckles slide a little bit and I find myself having to continue to stri- like tighten up my belt and tighten up my shoulders. And then I'd hike, you know, for a while and then I need to tighten them up again. Now, I don't know if that is the belt material or the buckles themselves, but I'd say somewhere around, 75 to 80 pounds is when I have to start doing it. So I notice at that point that anything up to that, I tighten it once and it's golden. But anything higher than that, I, I find myself having to continue uh, continue to tighten and tighten and tighten. So I don't know if the material is getting stretched out or what it is, but um, you know, I feel like that's how a pack carries weight is equally as important into how much the pack actually weighs. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, fit and comfort is definitely, yeah, it's a priority, but it's kind of those things like, how do you know? Cause these backpacks are all, I mean, they're all hundreds of dollars, you know, they're all 200 to $500 really. So it's kind of like most of us can't, you know, buy five of them and line them all up and say which one feels the best with a hundred pounds in it, you know? Right. And that's um, one thing at a trade show I've never, and it's probably some kind of liability, but I've never tested a backpack out before I've purchased it. It's always been, I've never, you know, you don't walk into a store or buy it online, put a hundred pounds in it and then say, well, this is shit. I'm going to take it. Back. You know what I mean? Like, or <laughs> right, I'm not going right. to buy it. You, you really yeah. can't test out how you're going to use a backcountry pack until right. you're, you know, you're, you got the meat on the, and it's time to head back to camp. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I will say another thing about, about the fit part. So my wife has the, um, the women's mystery ranch Metcalf and, um, she was uh, she did her first elk hunt this year, and after the third or fourth day, she was complaining about shoulder pain and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, you want me to you know you know do you want me to adjust your pack for you? She's like, it is adjusted. I'm like, well, do you want it adjusted you know the right way <laughs> kind of thing? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I finally I took her pack off and completely loosened everything, retightened everything the way that the company actually shows you how to do it, got the load and the weight in the right positions is how they recommend. And she threw it on and she could not believe the difference in comfort. Yeah. So a, a lot of times going on and, and, and plugging into the customer service 
or the YouTube video on a backpack company's website can go a long way to getting you that comfort that you're looking for. Yeah. And I forget who I was talking to. This was a couple ATA shows ago before I uh, went on my second elk hunt. I'd already been on one and you know, I obviously I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but the uh, just getting, just getting um, a pack to fit right. So what I mean by that is being adjustable to your torso length, to you know where it's going to ride on your hips, where it's going to ride on your shoulders, uh, is is key. I, I think if you're going to use it right, you know what I mean. To- I absolutely agree. Absolutely. So it's a yeah. There's that. It's a must. I mean, if you're if you're hiking in, say two, three, four miles with a full blown camp on your back, um, and you're going through all sorts of discomfort and that initial hike in. I mean, just setting yourself up for failure right out the gate. And then if you got to do two, you know, two trips with elk meat out and you're not comfortable the whole time. I mean, and so and and then your hunting partner has a tag that he hasn't filled and you're expected to go right back up the mountain and continue hunting once you get years off the mountain. But you're so just you're so uncomfortable and sore because your pack isn't fit right or on you right yeah, I don't know. That's that's all the stuff that goes into my head when I start thinking about elk training and elk hunting and, and all that stuff. So And that's good that we're saying this because for me, I just thought a backpack was a backpack, right? Oh yeah, it's got a meat it's got a meat pocket for it, you know? And then until I actually finished uh, a pack a three and a half mile pack out with this mule deer with over a hundred pounds on my pack on my back you don't think about these things for a first timer. So if you're a first time guy listening, you got to think about what the end of that hunt looks like. Is it going to result in you carrying massive amounts of weight on your back and how that, you know, for, so it might, it might even help to test that out before you go hunting. And that's why I, you know, even with my TZ 4000, uh, before I got this outdoorsman pack, I was putting, you know, a whole bunch of weight in the back, some sandbags or some, uh, some dumbbells, lots of dumbbells. And I was trying to, uh, you know, simulate lots of weight on, on the back with those particular, uh, with all that. So, uh, just something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And doing that type of training is, I think in my, in my brain, that's a must. I mean, there's certain muscles that are sore on you after training with 80 pounds in a backpack that you don't even, you didn't even know you had those muscles. Right. You didn't even know you could be sore in places that you get sore. Right. So Absolutely. at least, at least that's how, that's what happens to me during the summer. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, uh, I don't care what the back of the pack is. You put a hundred pounds in it. It's going to feel uncomfortable somewhere, right. especially going th- over three miles or however even a mile depending on the terrain right i mean for the yeah. most part our, our pack out was somewhat flat uh especially the last mile where it was just walk walking this river bottom out but uh there was some ups and downs where it, i mean you you just you got to deal with it i mean i don't i don't know if there is such thing as a perfect pack of, of course i say that not being a connoisseur of packs at all yeah. I, and that's, that's one thing we're only, we don't have a ton of experience in the elk pack world, but there's, uh, people swear by, uh, Kafaru backpacks. 
Um, I know Exo is another good one. Stone Glacier is another good one. So those all are very highly recommended. Just, again, don't have two grand laying around to buy four different backpacks. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And uh, I, uh, my buddy Ryan, he went through a couple backpacks over the last couple years, um, and he ended up with a, a Kafaru, uh, and he absolutely loves uh, the the Kafaru that he used on the elk hunt this year. So, um, you know, what what other what other packs, uh, backcountry backpacks like uh, Kufaru? You said uh, Stone Glacier, Exo Mountain Gear. Um, I would say the Outdoorsman. Uh, what are you using again? Mystery Mystery Ranch Metcalf. Okay, Mystery Ranch is the brand. Yep. They're more of a. They're more. They have a lot of military contracts. Um, so they're they're hunting. Li- they're not really. They don't do a ton of sales in like the hunting community, but uh, or industry rather. But uh, yeah, they've, they've got a big selection of packs, right? Um, for big game. And then, are there any other packs out there? I mean, Sitka used to make one. I don't even know if Sitka makes uh, uh makes their. They do. Back. They they do. They have a they have a big game one. I think they have a new one that came out this year. I think it's got a meat shelf. The I think the old ones did not have a meat shelf, um, which blew me away because Sika usually thinks of everything. Um, they th- well, maybe not everything, but they think of stuff that you don't think of. So for them to have big game backpacks that didn't have a meat shelf, it absolutely didn't make any sense to me. I know um, QU, they have a backpack. I, I've heard that those are probably your more lightweight option, but I think they because they are lighter weight, they lack a little bit in comfort. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's just from what I've heard. Yeah. I'm looking here. So at, just, uh, disclaimer. Okay, Mountain Hauler 4000. Is that the one? So Sitka has the Mountain Hauler 4000 and the Mountain Hauler 6200. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. I, be- I believe the 6200 has a meat shelf. I, I could be mistaken. Okay. All right. Um, so now, obviously, when we start flipping the game – to all right, would you change your would you use your Metcalf on a on a, a pack in base camp type of hunt or would you need a different pack? Uh for elk hunting, yeah, that's yeah. that's all I would use for okay. my yep. tent and all that stuff. So this yep. this year on my camp where or on my uh, DIY public land hunt for mule deer, where we were walking in, setting up tents, I went back to the TZ uh, to the TZ four thousand, which is I don't even know why I'm talking about it anymore because it doesn't look like they make it anymore. But um, that allowed me; it had way more straps to where I could not only fill the bag with food, clothing, uh, first aid kit you know, water, all that stuff, but it had the ability to strap stuff to the top of it. So the top was my, uh, the top of the pack was my sleeping bag. There was another set of straps on the bottom of the pack. That was my tent and tarp. And then, um, I had my spotting scope on one side of the pack that had straps on it. And then the other side had, uh, more straps to where I could strap in my uh, tripod and then on the back was my bow and arrows so i like a pack with a lot of straps so that i can if you know there's for some reason i uh 
you know, I have all this extra stuff that I can't fit in my pack. I can strap it to it. Uh, and then what I would do is once we unloaded and I, I whittled the pack down from pack in mode to go hunt mode, uh, I would keep certain things on the outside of my pack just for easy access, right? Obviously the spotting scope and the, uh, the spotting scope and the, uh, tripod, but also like one of my jackets to where it was really easy for me to go and uh, get access to a, a jacket. It was just strapped to the side. Or uh, my water, obviously, it had a water port in it, so I was able to get water easy. Or a, a zip, just a real uh, a little pocket on the outside, which is where I kept my snacks. So everything was just real easy to get in and out. I don't like the fact that on some of these packs, you, you, it's just one big opening at, at the top. And I know the different designs have, you know, there's a value for that. But I just like the ability with, with a whole bunch of little things so I can organize um, and then just easy access. Yeah. So that's where I differ. I prefer, whether it's a big backpack or something smaller like I use for whitetails, I prefer just one, one, uh, one compartment. Like, uh, I know the, I had a Tenzing uh, 2220 that I was using for whitetail hunting. And it was like the two, it had like a big, it had like a big compartment, but then it also had like the, the second zipper there that had like, gave you access to like another like third of the pack. And uh, my, my thought with that was just like, I would rather just have one big compartment. So I, if I have something big, I can get it in there. And now if I have multiple small things, I can also still fit those in there. But I just felt I always feel more limited um, when there's just all uh, different compartments within a backpack. I'd rather just have one big backpack. So if I have something giant, I need to get in there. It's just it can handle it. Right. Right. Uh, anything else about uh, elk pack or a, a Western pack where you're, you're taking in a lot of gear uh, with you that uh, that you look for or that you like or maybe you dislike? No, I mean, uh, rain fly or being waterproof or something like that. I think that's, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's more of an accessory, but, yeah. uh, yeah. 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 I have, uh, uh, both of my packs come with a, a rain fly. So, uh, that's good that I had them, but I didn't ever need to use them. So yep. there's that. All right. So now let's switch the, the gear from Western uh, and maybe elk and mule deer or a, a kind of a backcountry hunt to whitetails, kind of when you're just basically walking from your truck to your tree stand. What, uh, what are you running? Uh, this year I picked up a, a mystery ranch tree house. Um, and again, I do all the self filming stuff. So I've got a camera arm and a camera, a video camera. And sometimes I'll even bring along, um, my DSLR to take pictures if, uh, if I'm not hiking too far, but, um, so it's a, it's a bigger pack. I think, I think it's like a 2000 cubic inches or something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, and before that I was using the Sika tool bucket. So they're, they're very comparable in like overall size. Uh, the shape is a little different. The mystery ranch is, a little taller, but a little narrow, narrow, wow, 
narrower <laughs> and uh the uh, where the that tool bucket and you know as well as i do that uh you know it's kind of more of just like one big bag yeah. um and and for filming i've just noticed that 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 taller narrower uh backpack it makes it easier for like you know your your camera arm to be strapped to the side of it and stuff like that it like it just conceals it all and doesn't get hung up on any branches or anything like that when you're walking through the timber so just just because of the size of it and then just along with a video camera too fitting that in there and, and everything it just seems like the taller narrower actually ended up giving me more space options than than what that uh sick of tool bucket gave me right so okay uh did, do you because i i had to go back to the sick of tool bucket uh, at the beginning of the year, I started with the Fanatic pack this year, and that's a, a great pack for guys who already have their tree stands uh, set and they're not having to do a lot of run and gun. And I'll tell you why. They're, they have uh, a, the system that they use where they are attached, their strap system that goes on their pack is not their shoulder harness but on the back if you want to attach something is a t-bracket so it's again uh you can lay this little t-bracket flat and if you want to go to their website and see what i'm talking about you slide it through a loop then you open the t-bracket and then it's wider than the loop so it can't go through and then you can you can tighten it and i am not a big fan of that for one reason when I am running and gunning, I like to keep my pack, like let's say uh, my tree stand strapped to my pack. And then if I, I want to take my pack off, I have to use, I have to use two hands to get that T buckle out as opposed to the buckles on the tool bucket that you can pinch with your finger and it pops out. So it's a little hard hanging from, and I'm sure if I change the, my process of how I, uh, set my tree stand up it would be different but I, I guess I didn't like that uh, the fact that you can't it, it's hard to unbuckle or loosen the straps with one hand as opposed to the tool bucket that I can pinch the uh, pinch the buckle and it will pop open just with one hand and I can use the other hand to grab the tree stand when I uh, when I'm already hanging off the tree because the goal of that for me was to get up the tree one time and not have to try to go down so if I had the fanat I, I found myself having to go down with a fanatic pack and take the tree stand off or take the tree stand off at the bottom of the of the stand before I even started setting up gotcha gotcha when you when you use the sick tool bucket do you put that tree stand and the climbing sticks in that between the frame and the bag, like no. it's designed? No, I no. do not do that. I don't no. do that at all. Uh, it's just an extra, for me, it's an extra process. It's an extra I, step. I totally agree. And it's not an easy extra step. No. It's actually, it's like five extra steps. Because you've got to bundle all those extra straps, stuff uh -huh. them in there, then zip it up. And uh -huh. if you're trying to be a quiet run and gun mobile hunter, it's hard to be quiet when and and low impact when you're having to put that zip all that back together again. Yep. Right. Totally agree. So totally it's almost agree. to me, it's like it should just be two separate pieces and not even connect yeah. to each other. Right. Right. But uh, so I I wear my 
my stand over top of the backpack so I can get it off easy. Or uh, depending on the setup, I can hang all of that from the tree hook, from a big tree hook, and then I can, so my pack stays in one spot, but then I can take the tree stand off and while I'm hanging off the tree. And I don't, I don't carry my sticks uh, on my backpack. Those go in a bow holder, actually. And that gets set down. I take that off, and it gets set down at the base of the tree. And that's, and I'll go up from there. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that's actually yeah. But okay. other than that, I really like that system because the fanatic pack is almost frameless. Right? There's no there's no frame in it. There's no support really. It just is all one big thing of fabric just like the some of the sick of pants it's uh that fleece material and it any cockaber gets caught on it any uh thistle you name it you walk through that shit it's getting stuck right on that backpack i'm not a huge fan of that uh the material for the tool bucket uh doesn't attract that uh, as much stuff as the fanatic pack does and it's got a, a frame on it a little bit sturdier of a frame so when yep. i hang it up in the tree with the flap open the pack stays open and i don't have i can use one hand to get in it as opposed to one hand to hold it open and then to get inside of it so you do you hang you hang the backpack by the lid uh well you open it up and i i throw the pack or the lid all the way open, all the way to the where you know the back where my back would go, and then yep. on the inside at the top, there's a secondary, uh, uh, I guess holder that you can pick up the pack by. Yep. Uh, I don't know. There's there's got to be a term for that, but uh, and then I hang that portion on the tree hook, and and so my pack okay. is wide open the whole time. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Um. So with the with the mystery ranch, the treehouse, um, one of the things is the torso length is adjustable. It's got like the the, in, the lightweight internal frame on it as well. Yep. Um, that is adjustable, and I have a longer torso, so that definitely helps me with that backpack. Well, yeah, just with a hunting backpack um, in general. Um, also, the lid on that one opens up. Oh, like if the backpack's hanging on the tree. And facing outward, the the lid opens up outward. So it opens up opposite of what that tool bucket opens up. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So, so away from your away from your back. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And then it's got then it's got uh, there's a zipper on that lid, and there's a zipper on the inside of the lid, and there so it's it's all one pocket. So you can get to the anything in your lid from the outside or from the inside when it's opened up. Got you. So. Yep. Got you. Yep. So, um, other than that, the I think the one thing I don't like about the Fanatic pack itself. I mean, it's great. It's cool to have, uh, and I'll use I I'll use it probably at some point if I go to a tree stand that has no, uh, you know, it's already been set up. But it just feels like it rides real high on my back without that that frame there it either yeah. rides real high or it's real low and when it rides real low the uh the shoulder straps i got bigger shoulders like a a, a wider a wider chest i guess you would say and i feel like it doesn't ride that comfortable on the back 
Okay. As opposed to the tool bucket that has a hip belt, which allows me to put the hip belt in place, cinch the shoulders, and then a chest uh, a chest strap as well, which allows me to um, you know strap in that way. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The the the, the Metcalf or not the Metcalf the Treehouse uh, that has like the the waist belt and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah it's definitely. I hauled in a whole bunch of gear on one of my hunts this year, and uh, it carried all the weight. Very, like, you know, great. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Never been so comfortable hauling in tree stands. Yeah. So, I'll tell you now, you know, I also use early season. I use when I'm not having to take in, you know, a ton of layers with me. Early season, I use that muley pack off of that. Uh, when I don't have to take hardly any uh, additional clothing in, I can fit my Ozonics, the bra- Ozonics bracket, and a grunt tube. Early season, I don't have to worry about rattling antlers and a bottle of water. And that's all I'm taking in with me uh, to for an early season whitetail hunt. And that it's, I don't even think it's called a muley pack anymore. I think they call it a, a butte pack now from yeah. uh, a butte pack. It's just a, it's a smaller pack. And that, that right there, uh, is awesome because it, it's a really low profile. Nice. So other than that, I mean, my pack situation hasn't changed too much over the years. Um, I look at them if there is a lot of, uh, you know, if there's something cool or, or neat about it. But I think a pack is a pack is a pack, is, if that makes sense. Yeah. When it, when it comes yes. to whitetail, when it comes to whitetail. Yeah, I think if I wasn't filming i would say i would uh, definitely agree um with filming and the camera arm and the camera i mean that's an extra i don't know five six pounds probably maybe more yeah um yeah it's just on some long on some of your longer walks and now and then on top of that if you're running and gunning um yeah you can you can run into a a, i don't know 30 pound whitetail backpack which sounds pretty stupid so um if not more yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm like you, I don't, I don't put my, my climbing sticks in a bow sling, but I, I carry them in my, um, my right hand. So I always keep my bow in my left hand when I'm walking through the timber. Yeah. So with my release on, yeah. There was one brand that I, I'm gonna, when I, when we go to the ATA show this year, one brand I really want to, uh, reach out to and talk to is Alps Outdoors. They make a lot of good gear. Like, uh, uh, I think they make chest, uh, like a chest harness for your binos. Uh, they have a make a chair for ground blinds. They and then they make a whole bunch of different crazy kind of packs. So that's uh, another brand. Yeah, I'm, I'm at their website right now. Alps Outdoors with a Z. And uh, the one pack that kind of caught my interest was for big game was called the Trophy X pack, which okay. looks, looks to be their frame with uh it's like a frame with a pack and it it's got a built-in meat shelf on it gotcha so uh that's that's one that i want to take a look at but other than that man i don't have too much else to say about packs what about you um i'm kind of right there with you i will say my elk hunting backpack i use that um basically for luggage on any vacations i go on or anything like that so um 
Yeah, I do. I every winter I typically go to a warm destination and try to bring a fly rod and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I can instead of and we bounce around from location to location too. Wherever we go, we don't usually stay like at a resort in one spot. We're usually, I mean, Airbnbs now are so cheap and available. Um, we usually stay a couple nights here, a couple nights there, and try to experience uh, multiple places. And and having a having a big elk hunting backpack like that. Um, can also work as luggage. So if you're trying to um, sell the idea to your wife that you need a <laughs> $400 backpack, you can also just say you're getting some luggage. Get some luggage so, too. Yeah, do, yep. do you even trick your wife anymore? She just nod and smile and think you're an idiot. Um, That's what my wife does. She just nods and smiles. Like I got a new pair of wading boots uh, the other day. Yeah. And they were, sitting, they were sitting in a box, and she's like, what are those? I was like, oh, I don't even want to have this conversation right now. I was like, ah, oh, they're just waiting boots. And she's like, don't you already have, like, two or three pairs of waiting boots? I was like, yeah. I'm just not really happy with those ones, though. And she's just like, she's, yeah, she just shook her head. Do so. you sell any of your old gear? Because I'm, I'm selling, I'm having my wife sell some of the my old stuff that I don't use anymore on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, from t- from time to time, I do. I sell stuff on Facebook Marketplace or like Archery Talk. That's a that's a forum. Um, a lot of times, I sell it for real cheap to to friends or whatever um, that don't that need it or, or are looking to upgrade their gear or something like that. But right, right, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us today. Any last words, Bob? No, no, it's, uh, it's a little depressing that it's December, obviously hunting season's still going on, but, um, where did November go, dude? Dude, no doubt. I feel like I I shot my buck and it, like, it didn't even happen. Right. Right. Stupid. So November needs to be like a month longer. It, It does. It really does. I wish the rut was more than just like two or three weeks. So, I mean, for you. That's what's so beautiful about Iowa, man. That rut does really last all of November because you don't not you don't get interrupted till with guns until what this week? Uh, you just have your yeah, gun opener this, this weekend, December seventh, I think, is gun opener here in Iowa. So yeah, man, I just yeah, I think we're I'm trying to hunt Iowa next year, and if I go, um, we're planning on going. I want to say like the twelfth to the twenty second of November. That's a good time and, frame. Yeah, love it. I just, I just think a lot of those big mature bucks are on their feet way more the later into November that you get. Yeah. So, I don't know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it this week. If you haven't subscribed to the Hunting Gear podcast, please do that. You can do that on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Please go to Instagram and or Facebook and check out the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. Uh, really easy to find that's the network that this podcast is on and uh, if you are so inclined go check out the rest of the podcasts that are on the sportsman's nation tons of great info uh, not only about gear uh, like the hunting gear podcast but about habitat conservation hunting strategy and tactics you name it we got it so go check it out thank you very much and have a good rest of your week